CSMOD.com is your one-stop shop for tickets to all live SMOD pods and appearances by your favorite SMODcasters. Get old and Q&A with Kev embark on the Jersey Boys Tour Down Under. September 18th in Sydney, the 19th in Brisbane, the 21st in St. Kilda, Victoria, the 23rd in Torrensville, and September 26th in Perth. Show your love for all the free funny at SMODcast.com by checking out a live SMODco show. Visit CSMOD.com. Geek News Reviews, commentary, not just another podcast, on the Ordinary Pickball Podcast. I couldn't believe it was her. It was like a dream. But there she was, just like I remembered her. That delicately beautiful face and a body that could melt a cheese sandwich from across the room. And breasts that seemed to say, hey, look at these. She was the kind of woman that made you want to drop to your knees and thank God you were a man. Yeah. She reminded me of my mother, all right, no doubt about it. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett, on the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Bowl Broadcast, episode 42. It's all the geeky news you can use. Coming at you from the West Coast, this is Kyle A. Barrett, an anime and video game voice actor. Andrew, co-host on the East Coast, other world Steve, and I'm a historian. So... It's Halloween time. It's October. I, mean, I don't know if you guys around the world celebrate Halloween or Samhain or some weird variation of it, but, you know, the American culture is all about horror movies and, and, and reliving some nostalgic trips down uh, memory lane from the, from the cinematic view. Now, Steve is, and myself to a degree also, we certainly en- enjoy our, 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 um, our fair share of schlock. And um, Steve has taken it upon himself for a, for a new online endeavor uh, that will definitely catch your eyes and ears uh, if you are uh, of the same ilk, if you're into uh, the 50s schlocky horror sci-fi genre. I don't know what it is. It kind of started off as a Halloween-y thing for me to do um, in October of 2013. And over the last couple of years, it's grown into this ridiculous obsession. It's like a fucking disease. Um it's almost like uh, like people who like getting spanked and whipped because it's bad. It's really bad, and I keep subjecting it to myself. But anyways, long story short, uh, I set up a little website slash database. It's, it's pretty bare bones right now. But if you want to check it out, you can go over to EBE Rocket, eberecords.com slash B. Uh, and the B stands for B-movies. And the name of the site's Killer Bees with Other World Steve. And my objective here, I kind of put this up mainly kind of for myself, not, not to sound like a selfish douche, but um, it's kind of a way for me to maintain a list of these crappy flicks from the 50s that I've watched kind of compared to the list of the movies that I know exist or, and are somewhat accessible. So right now there's somewhere around, uh, I think, 175 films on the list that are considered B-movies between 1950 and 1959. So again, you can go over to the site, um, get a, a title screen gallery, which I think is really cool because I'm a font guy. I don't know if you're a font guy, Kyle, but I dig wacky fonts. Something beyond Comic Sans. And, and I just dig looking at the title screens and just checking out the different fonts that they use for the different films. And I, I think the title screens, uh, in a lot of cases, they, they do really try to convey the tone they're going for with the film. So it does say a lot. Um, and yeah, and, and you can click on the titles and it'll take you over to the YouTube search and you should be able to watch a good 99% of these films that I have listed for free online. Hey, free is a good price. Now I'm curious, you're into fonts. Um, is there 
<laughs> Where did the Big Ball broadcast logo come from? Or is that a kind of a mashup? That's an actual font. Um, and it was made deliberately to mimic the RKO fonts, which is what you were looking for in the design for the new logo. So uh, it's as, as RC, uh, RKO as you can get, I think. I forget the name of the font exactly uh, offhand right now, but I can't find that if you want. Ah, no, I'm just curious. The radio tower, the, the signal coming off and all that stuff. Uh, of course, you guys can catch up with all the uh, episodes of the Big Ball Broadcast on smodcast.com. And if you're just like, hey, man, I want to listen to this every week and not have to think about it, well, then subscribe. You can uh, add it to your iTunes or your favorite podcast aggregator on, on Android and whatnot. There's tons of different podcast apps out there that will snatch every new episode as soon as it goes live. And, uh, of course, we're on the, the live stream on Smodco Internet Radio on Thursdays with a repeat on Tuesdays. We're very, very happy about that. Uh, we also like your feedback at BB Broadcast on Twitter, thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com, or bigballbroadcast at gmail.com. Steve, do we have uh, any takers this week? Any feedback from anybody? We do. We have a very interesting email here, and um, I'll protect the innocent. I'm not going to mention any names directly, but I do want to read this email because I think this is something you can certainly provide some very excellent feedback about. So this is, hello, I am a trained voice actor out of San Diego. I'm contacting you to offer my voiceover skills to your company for any new upcoming projects you might have coming up. I have my own home studio set up with a phone patch capability, and I would love to be a part of what you're doing. I think I can offer fresh and new, I think I can offer something fresh and new to the table and believe you'll be pretty satisfied with my demo. Goes on to list some of the, the works he has provided voices in along with his um, entirely in YouTube videos voice demo, and his headshot is also attached. So, Mr. Abey, what kind of assistance could you provide to this young gentleman reaching out to another voice actor looking for work? Well, first of all, we're very flattered that you you think uh, we could use your your services. We're very thankful uh, and and kudos that you have such a professional setup. You know, you record at home and and, and all that, and... um, uh, trained and everything, you're on on the right path and everything there. But I wonder if you didn't uh, look a little closer to what these this email was attached to. Uh, was it part of a like a marketing blitz? Did you sign up to to have people, you know, spam your your link demo, your your generic uh, email and and YouTube links across you know hundreds if not thousands of possible potential clients without actually checking out who those people actually are and what their services are you know uh we're not a casting house obviously we're a podcast the big ball broadcast i'm a voice actor um i'm not a director i don't cast for anything but i can say uh just to help you out when you are marketing your voiceover work uh linking to multiple youtube videos is not the most proficient or efficient way uh you need to have it cobbled down audio only in mp3 format to roughly about 60 seconds or so um, and, and a good cross-section of, of, of what you have to offer in terms of acting ability, not necessarily voices. Uh, you, a commercial demo is first and foremost the most lucrative. That's what you, you send out to casting people and uh, agents if you want to woo them. If you're trying to get the eye of, of people that do gaming and animation casting, obviously you would send an animation demo where you're showcasing that. But they're very different beasts and all that. A great link uh, with lots of helpful advice comes from voice actor D. Bradley Baker. 
uh, who's mostly known for a lot of creature sounds and everything, but he's been he's a he's a veteran, very established cartoon voice actor. And uh, since that's the most common thing we get, you know, how do you become a voice actor? What do I need to do? What sort of thing should I do to to market myself and whatnot? It's a website called I Want to Be a Voice Actor dot com. Very very helpful blog. Lots of lots of just great tips, just right there in one place, one central hub. Of, of advice. Now I know that that uh, the the nameless person who who uh, offered their voiceover services. Uh, hopefully they're listening to our broadcast right now, our podcast, and and are listening to that. Again, you know you, you've taken the steps to train yourself and have a nice home studio set up and all that. You want to get your name out there and all that. Uh, marketing your voice services to podcast. I'm not so sure uh is 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 ultimately going to you know be the big money maker for you podcasters don't make money um you know the the big broadcasters on radio they don't make money uh unless you're howard stern or you know someone some big national personality and all that you're doing it for the love it's different you know me and steve here we do this podcast for the love it's great to be a part of um of smodco uh, because of the outreach, it's wonderful. It's great exposure, and we love being part of it because we know uh, the Kevin Smith audience is, is into you know their fellow geeks. They they love what we love, so it's like the perfect marriage and everything. Um, but uh, voiceactingmastery.com uh, is a link I see in our chat here from Alan S. Thank you very much. That's Crispin Freeman's Voice Acting Mastery podcast. Uh, lots of great interviews and different stories about people who uh, have been been in the business for years. They not only tell their story about how they got into the business, but the the, the things they've learned, you know, the pits and pratfalls, and you know the the, the smart marketing decisions, what to do uh, to further yourself in this sort of industry. Um, so again, uh, we we don't mean to be snarky or or say that you know anything negative about what you're doing, but. You know, if you are marketing yourself as a voice actor, definitely have an audio voice demo, not a bunch of YouTube links. Um, make sure and do a little research as to who you are sending your emails to, um, because it may end up just being something completely irrelevant and all that. I mean, sure, we, we do podcasts. It's audio related. There's voice work involved, you know, because I do voice work for Kevin Smith's podcast. Sure, I get that. Uh, but overall, I think it'll be more beneficial for you to market directly to casting houses, uh, talent agents. Uh, if you're in the L.A. area or New York area, voiceoverresourceguide.com is a great, great asset. It lists every talent agent. It lists every demo production house. It lists everybody teaching classes. Uh, that's for West Coast and East Coast. Uh, very, very helpful and, and links to everybody, uh, whether you want to you know, freshen up your demo and uh, who's teaching commercial, who's teaching character, who's teaching on hold, who's teaching audiobooks, uh, all sorts of things. And there are casting houses listed in there, voiceoverresourceguide.com. Um, and again, Crispin Freeman, he's got a great podcast out there called voiceactingmastery.com. Uh, you can subscribe to that. And... Um, that's about all the info I can I can pass along there. I know, hands down, by and far, it's the most asked questions at conventions. How, how did you become a voice actor? And or how can I become a voice actor? And I think it's great, especially like just now, where you can pause for a moment and give a very detailed explanation about how you should pursue the industry. But at a convention, not just your perce- perception or perspective of it, but... Do you find that maybe some of the voice actors get a little defensive? Like, 
I don't need more people cutting into an already cramped industry. So why the fuck am I going to give you the, the tricks of my trade? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's weird because it's so hard to get consistent work. It seems like the most established people at some point it's feast or famine. It doesn't matter uh, that maybe you're the voice uh, from Futurama or the Simpsons or family guy at some point in your career, you're just barely scraping by. Uh, that happens to everyone. It's like, it doesn't matter what your resume has. It doesn't matter what your home setup is, who you've trained with, who do you know? You're just going to go through times where you hardly work. And then other times you work all the time. But I mean, the, the, the consistent thing that I've learned from everybody, uh, you want to be an actor of any kind on camera, voiceover, whatnot is you got to stick to it. You got to go through tons of rough times where it's, 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 there's no feast. It's all famine. And you're out there trying to get your demo done and, and better yourself as a performer and all that and, and, and everything. And there's like, there's no set path. Everyone's path is unique. It's crazy. And I've said it before, uh, privately and publicly, I think it, tr- it takes tremendous balls. And that, that goes for women as well to um, dive in feet first into that type of industry where, like you said, it, there is no feast or famine. It's, it's all famine. I, I like the stability of having regular employment. It's not my dream job, but I know that when push comes to shove, I can still pay my bills. So I, I tip my hat to everybody who puts themselves in that position to make so many tremendous sacrifices for their art. And I think that that aspect of it goes underappreciated. The plight of the freelancer, man. It's <laughs> You know it because you were a musician, too, for many years. And it's like, you know firsthand, you're not going to make any money doing that. It makes you happy. And, you know, the goal is to make a living doing something that you love and you're passionate about. And, you know, obviously you want to keep a roof on your head and your kids fed and all that stuff, too. It is. And, and there's that balance. But, you know, another aspect uh, you've talked about in the past about voice acting is it's not just going into to record a session. You have to be available for auditions constantly. And that could be day, night, and anywhere in between when that audition comes across. You gotta do it. You gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta keep your uh, your agent happy and you've gotta keep yourself out there. So I would imagine, yeah, it could be difficult to try to hold down other types of employment. I've been very fortunate after ten years in LA. I get enough notches on the resume. I just, you know, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. It doesn't matter what's on your resume. Well, it does if you can get onto the convention circuit because then you're, you're going out there and uh, you're able to cobble together some fees, you know, selling headshots and, you know, and, and depending on the show, you sell your autographs. Otherwise, otherwise you, you sign them for free. But you're getting to travel, get all these cool perks, get treated like a rock star for the weekend and all that. But that's not the reason I do what I do. It, uh, it's just something else that takes a lot of time on the schedule. Like right now, we're doing our podcast. Tonight, after the podcast, I'm going to edit the podcast. I'm also going to edit some voice work for a French company that I do from home in English. Thank God. But I have to edit all that. I have to get everything all, all set in order. I have to check the email for one last time before if there's any last-minute auditions due in the morning. And then I have to be at LAX at 6 a.m., fly across country uh, to, uh, to a convention. And I'm going to be there all weekend. And then inevitably, I'm going to get auditions there. So I take my little plug-in mic, plug it into my iPhone or my iPad and record, you know, guerrilla style, you know, make a little pillow for it in the hotel room and uh, do auditions that way. And um, lather, rinse, repeat. It's a tremendous dedication to the cause. And again, I, I applaud not just yourself, but everybody in the industry who, who puts themselves in that position. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for all your hard work and dedication. Oh, cool, man. Hey, thank you for your hard work and dedication. 
you know, sticking to, you know, the day job, your family man, and you're a geek. You're here. I am here. And while I'm here, we should probably talk about some geeky stuff. We probably should, considering that's that's the theme of our podcast. Although I think about talking about the voice acting industry is certainly geeky. But uh, yeah, and there, there's a lot of stuff that's gone down uh, as of the recording of this podcast, which we usually stream live audio-wise, usually on Wednesday nights uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific-ish. You just follow our Twitter feed, and you'll know when we go live. We have all the links to take you where you need to go, so you can chat with us as we record our, our show and all that. So, uh, Steve, what is going down? I think it would be only appropriate, since we opened on Monsters, we should keep talking about Monsters. And I know this already has your juices flowing, but it's been absolutely confirmed now that Godzilla vs. King Kong will be roaring into theaters in 2020. How trippy is that? So the last time we saw King Kong was Peter Jackson's remake from 2005, Universal Pictures. It looks like Legendary has worked it out to where the King Kong property is going to come over to uh, Warner Brothers to make this crossover actually happen. That's crazy in this day and age where, you know, we thought it was pretty big shit just to have superheroes crossover into a, a combined cinematic event. Now you've got studios like, fuck it, we'll just bring this all together. So what's going down right now is that you've got Kong Skull Island coming out in 2017 and Godzilla 2 coming out in 2018. That's coming up on the heels of the one that came out recently with uh, the dude from Kick-Ass in it. And then Warner Brothers is going to be partnering with Lionsgate in 2020 to release um, this epic build-up, this confrontation, the Avengers of the monster movies, Godzilla vs. Kong, and I think that's pretty badass. I hope it, uh, it has the, uh, the motor that Avengers has. I hope it can keep up the, the momentum. Um, but I think it's pretty badass to be in this day and age where we have you know, studios coming together to make a buck. And if they can play nice, then I can't even imagine what the future of cinema is going to be like. Jez in our chat says, bring on Mecha Kong. Oh, remember they go. To, I mean, you had a King Kong versus Godzilla, you know, Japanese film, which is like pretty darn silly. And I guess, you know, who won depending on which version of the film, you know, the one for America, King Kong won. And in, in Japan, Godzilla won. I wonder if we'd have that same situation now. Another aspect is, you know, the dimensions of King Kong. Godzilla is so much taller than King Kong, he would just squash him literally. So we're going to have to change the dimensions or I, I don't know how that's going to work. I think, yeah, I didn't see the last Godzilla movie, but he seemed kind of the way he should be, tremendously tall. You know, I don't know, 150, 200 feet. You'd got to bring Kong up to those proportions. And it's kind of sad because Kong never was that formidable. But everything's a retake, a retelling, a new spin on things. And I guess you would want somebody like Godzilla to have a, a formidable foe. So, yeah, why the fuck not Kong? I posted the link on my Facebook and someone replied with, okay, so maybe I don't get this, but they, they talked about the disparity in height and all that. So if King Kong can climb the Empire State Building, wouldn't Godzilla be as tall as the Empire State Building? So it's like, there's really not much of a, of a match here. No, not really. I was responding in the chat. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd really have to uh, kick it up a notch. And speaking of kicking it up a notch, this is something that continues to like really legitimately tremendously bother me. And I started talking to you about this before we started recording. Um, we're about eight weeks away from a new star Wars film. As of the time of this recording, uh, eight weeks and four days away from the force awakens. And I'm kind of surprised we haven't had more advertising saturation. And now that I think about it, you know, it's not just the lack of a TV spot, but 
I don't really see like all the the pre movie tie ins and stuff. The uh, the M and M's and and the, the Pepsi products and and things, and I'm kind of surprised. Fuck it, Star Wars. It's going to make a billion dollars anyway. Alan S says Jesus tap dancing Christ. That's a great. That's a great phrase and all that. But yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Um, you think we'd have this marketing blitz? You'd see like you know, and, and we will. We're going to see the billboards and and the signs on, on the buses and all that, and the subway meals and, and all that shit. And I know it's going to happen, and I know we're going to get inundated. We're going to be drowning in Star Wars shit at some point. I'm surprised it hasn't happened right now. Well, it looks like uh, this coming Monday, October nineteenth, uh, there's going to be a new trailer debuting, and it's supposed to allegedly have a bunch of new footage, things that we have not seen yet. And considering we haven't really seen much, um, anything new, I think, will be pretty cool. And I think the other really great part about this, you know, again, here we are, uh, eight weeks away from this film coming out, and we still don't know what's going on. We still don't know the plot. We still don't know the characters. Um, this time when episode three was coming out, I already had a screener, you know, I had that about three months before that hit and there's nothing, there's nothing on star Wars. Right. Yeah. There's someone, I forget who that, you know, the rumor is that all the merchandise, all the action figures that are out right now that came out on force Friday, the big toy merchandise blitz from, you know, a month or two ago, um, that those characters that, that that only covers like the first third of the movie. So there is no big spoilerific, oh, this character does this and this, that, and the other. You know, so it's like, yeah, uh, kudos to, to Disney, Lucasfilm, Abrams, everyone working in concert to, to keep things under wraps and doesn't just, just blow it, you know, for everyone. I mean, I know there's, there's people out there that totally live on spoilers, but my my enjoyment of the prequels as minimal as it was <laughs> but back then we would go to the force.net daily and see everything spoiled to it. I mean, you saw shit that, that definitely came true and you're sitting there watching the movie in the theater with all these fans sold out a midnight screening or whatever, or, or go to it multiple times, seeing with your other friends and everything. And there was no surprise. There was no element of that. There's no transporting back to childhood and watching this movie for the first time and seeing things unfold without actually fucking knowing anything that's going to go, go down. The, the one thing that I think is really weird is Lucas didn't necessarily invent, but he certainly uh, re-envisioned merchandise tie-ins with movies. He, he became the merchandise master so much so that he gave up a lot of director's points so that he could get more uh, in merchandise percentage and, People like him and Alec Guinness really fucking banked because of it. You know, the weird thing is, you have The Force Awakens coming out uh, December 18th. That's literally one week before Christmas. Um, is that enough time, do you think, for, for Santa's little helpers to get out and buy their kids all the Star Wars merch after just having seen it a week prior? Yeah, I don't know if like the next wave of action figures are going to hit like in November or maybe December before the movie, and then suddenly all the spoilers come out. I think the novelization will, will come out before. It always seems to, and, you know, the comic adaptation. I remember reading The Return of the Jedi Marvel comic, you know, two months, uh, three months, I guess, before release. So I didn't really have that much surprise element going in. What's great about those is that in a lot of cases, they're based off the early um, novelizations. So there's things in the comics that don't make it to the final cut of the film. Right. And then now we have the, ex not expanded universe, but, you know, the, uh, you have the core films and then you have things like Rogue One 
and the the Boba Fett solo movie and the the Han Solo solo movie, uh, other things in development, you know, to to kind of tide us over in between the now two year wait between the major episodes instead of three. And it's kind of funny because they were talking about doing the three with a fill-in on the odd years, so we had a total of five coming out, and now it seems like there's six Star Wars movies coming out in the next six years. So if we thought there was a merchandise oversaturation before, (laughs) oh, man. Well, I I hope the point that's come across to everybody is the the day of collectibles is over. You know, none of this shit's ever going to be worth anything, not 30, 40, 50, 100 years from now. So buy it because you love it. Buy it because you want to tear that fucking package open and put that on your desk. Don't buy it to put it in a box thinking you're going to make some money from it later on. Because you definitely ain't. You just ain't. I just get rid of all my uh, episode one figures for a, uh, most of them in a bucket piece. And the stragglers I have left over, I think I just get rid of the rest of the box for like five bucks. So whatever. But talking about massive uh, consumerism and, and overload and all that. Recently, uh, there was a conference with Hasbro, as we know, uh, marketers and manufacturers of many of our most fond childhood toys. Uh, At their keynote conference, they pretty much came out and confirmed four more Transformers sequels are on the way. So yes, kids, Transformers 5, 6, 7, and 8 uh, were confirmed by Hasbro CEOs in this conference. So I hope you're excited. I'm not. You know, I did not see uh, Age of Extinction uh, and I'm, I'm told I'm not missing much. I mean, if they continue to have Michael Bay attached to it, it is what it is. And that formula, for better or worse, makes a shit ton of money. So until people stop showing up to these, yeah, there's going to be four more movies. <laughs> but if five suddenly tanks, I don't know if they're going to continue. I think, I think really, you know, a trilogy or whatnot certainly hinges upon uh, box office receipts. No, you know, they totally just jumped on the uh, the Star Wars pattern of things. And as we talked about earlier, um, you know, they have this new cinematic universe where they're going to be doing different things in different places with different standalones. So we might have a Bumblebee movie and we might have a Megatron movie. Um, what's really weird, though, and I don't know if you've seen any footage of this, um, the Transformers Devastation game, which is based on the original Generation 1 Transformers. And this is getting, like, a lot of really good reviews on a lot of different gaming sites um, not only just for the visuals, but because of the playability and everything. So, you know, clearly, I think this is what people want. This is what I want. I, I want real Transformers. I don't want bait formers. Right. I mean, aren't they uh, going to do an animated Transformers movie as well? Would that be included in the in the four movies there? Not in these four. These, these are actually numbered sequels. So somewhere in the mix, you're also going to have uh, an animated theatrically released film and then like i said uh different standalones the way star wars is doing it oh everyone trying to just tap into that uh that whole nostalgia thing and check out this one here here's nostalgia bomb for you okay so this this is like the month that 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 marty went back in time right and back to the future and everything and especially part two where you're seeing oh pepsi perfect and pepsi and their marketing tie-in uh, certainly tapped into something that's going to make them a lot of money and depending on you as a fanboy or fangirl, what you're willing to invest because of the limited nature of it. It's, I don't know, borderline ridiculousness at this point. I thought the Nike shoes are pretty cool. And uh, that was done as a charity event as well. And I think that was decent. 
But uh, if you want to get yourself a bottle of limited edition Back to the Future Pepsi Perfect, uh, Pepsi is going to be releasing a very limited number of these bottles out there for you. Unfortunately, it's just the regular Pepsi, the kind you can go to the store and buy now, just put in the special bottle. Um, two little wrinkles in this project. Um, the first is they're only releasing 6,500 bottles of the stuff. That's all they're making. Um, the second hiccup is at retail, they're $20.15 a pop. And, uh, you know, if that's retail, I can't even imagine what the eBay prices are going to be like later. <laughs> I, I, I went on Google just and hit shopping under Pepsi Perfect just to see. There's a screen used Back to the Future Pepsi Perfect cola bottle going for over seven grand. Well, I could see somebody, you know, a, a dire fan of the film wanting to get that. I'm thinking probably a couple hundred bucks on eBay for this icky knockoff. Oh, yeah. So, so retail is what? Uh, 20 bucks? $20.15. Yeah. I don't know. If, if I felt like blowing $20 on a bottle, I'm not so sure I would drink it. I'd probably just leave it in there. I mean, I've got some, you know, old Dublin, Texas bottled Dr. Pepper made with pure cane sugar, you know, from the original bottling plant in Dublin, Texas. You know, yeah, you can still get pure cane sugar, Dr. Pepper, and Coke, you know, Mexican Coke or, you know, Pepsi throwback or, or Mountain Dew, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> I don't know. If that's your thing, just having a, a house full of soda you're never going to drink. I'll tell you a funny story on a side note. Um, my wife and I caught up in the Star Wars Blitz when Phantom Menace came out. We did collect all the uh, limited and variant cans. I am sure you remember that. But we even have the, uh, the gold Yoda can. And uh, we lost about half of them a couple of years ago to freezing. And I don't know if you know what that's like to have about 40 cans of really sticky, sugary soda just fucking explode because they all froze over. <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks about the possibilities, especially if you have um, such uh, Hoth-like weather. You know, years ago, I saw people drilling out the bottle of their cans and, and emptying them out so that wouldn't happen. We wanted to be more purist and, and keep them the way they were. And what a fucking mistake that was. Having said that, I am not collecting any more uh, beverage packaging ever. So you, you're not going to... If you walked into a grocery store tomorrow and saw a bottle of Pepsi Perfect for $20, you're not going to grab it. That's more than half what I pay for a bag of weed, so No. <laughs> if you could compare it to a bag of weed, sure, absolutely. It's like you, you wouldn't even get to enjoy Pepsi. And I don't even know that you like Pepsi to begin with. And if I went out and bought a bag of weed and a bottle of this Pepsi, I'd probably drink it and ruin all the collectability right there. The only thing that tastes good with Pepsi is Taco Bell, and I hardly ever go to Taco Bell. Eh, I prefer Pepsi over Coke, and uh, I think it goes well with just about everything. I probably wouldn't pour it on my cornflakes, but... Well, I might if I smoked enough. How about all those people that collect cereal from way back then? I've seen a bottle of 3PO's. I wonder what that looks like after 30 years. I've seen one here at our local antique shop. Um, it's been emptied and flattened. What about the people with the Twinkies, though? Do, do you think people are still holding on to their Twinkies? I think the Twinkies have so much chemical shit in them that they will outlast us. I mean, the Armageddon, the zombie apocalypse, they'll be Twinkies, just like in Zombieland. I love me some Twinkies, but when people were paying five, six hundred dollars a box on eBay, that was just fucking ludicrous. Yeah, you know the bottle of Coke will, will you know, it'll get the rust off a nail, it'll, it'll clean shit off your toilet. That's what we ingest, uh, most of us anyway. <laughs> I just try not to think about it. I enjoy a hot dog without thinking about where it comes from. Same sort of deal. 
Most fast food. <laughs> most fast food. You have the preservatives, the chemicals. My lovely fiance has to have a very restrictive diet, and she's very thankful for that because all that chemical shit's probably slowly killing us all anyway. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And then I do foolish things like smoke cigarettes and drink tons of coffee to try to expedite the process. <laughs> Let's just, yeah. I want to die quicker. How can I do that? Oh, yeah. I keep saying I want to go out before my kids become teenagers. <laughs> oh, shit. Really? <laughs> if, if things are bad enough now, I can't wait until they're just stupid teenagers. It's like, you guys are on your own. I'm out. I'm moving. Oh, God, what else is going on in this glorious world? Uh, well, you know, again, let's stay on that oversaturation train. We've got a big update from Marvel Studios on their Phase 3. Uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. It looks like we, we get the follow-up to Ant-Man on July 6, 2018, and the title is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, I'll tell you right now, I still haven't seen Ant-Man. I know how fucking horrible is that, but... I'm not spoiled on it, so I will watch it when it comes out on Blu-ray and DVD. But honestly, I didn't think Ant-Man would get another standalone film. No, no. I, I haven't seen the numbers, but I don't think it performed as well as Guardians. And, you know, Guardians was pretty much greenlit to have a sequel opening weekend. And I'm sure Ant-Man did, you know, number one for the time that it came out. You know, respectable numbers. Obviously, it made Marvel go, you know what? Let's make a sequel. Let, let's, let's shift our whole schedule to make room for an entire other big-budget movie that, you know, cost $100 million plus. Oh, absolutely. And it was just for the sake of introducing Wasp that doesn't make too much sense to me because you could probably do that with five minutes in another Marvel film. But anyways, um, so on top of all that, you get, you get a few uh, date shifts. You have Black Panther moving up to February 16th, 2018. Marvel's Captain Marvel landing on March 8th. And I didn't even know about this until today, but there's three untitled Marvel Studio films coming out May 1st, 2020, July 10th, 2020, and November 6th, 2020. And, I mean, that alone is pretty weird because that's three Marvel movies coming out in one year. Yeah, you thought it was bad before. <laughs> we were just talking about one Star Wars film a year. Now that's three Marvel movies in one year. That's pretty insane. Well, yeah, if we're getting two, like we get two Pixar movies uh, a year now, right? So we have, you know, The Good Dinosaur coming up Thanksgiving. Uh, got all that stuff. Speaking of Pixar, they also have release dates for, for their new thing. So we got, what, The Incredibles, Finding Dory, uh, a Cars 3, a Toy Story 4. We've got everything. we got everything under the sun. Um, I will give you some of those dates. You got uh, Good Dinosaur coming out again, like you said, Thanksgiving of this year. Finding Dory coming up next. That's June 17th of next year. On June 16th, 2017, you have Cars 3 coming out. Um, uh, A Pixar film, I don't know anything about Coco, coming out November 22nd, 2017. Toy Story 4, June 15th, 2018. And then for me, the, the icing on the cake, June 21st, 2019, Incredibles 2. Man, that's a long wait. I'm really curious about Toy Story 4 because, man, it ended so perfectly. I think it was kind of funny they left those for the last two on their slate. Yeah, and so, you know, we were thinking, we've talked about this many times on the show before, even in our old podcast from 2005 to 2010, it's like, man, The Incredibles needs a sequel. And then suddenly Marvel came out, and now we're getting superhero movies left and right. Uh, By the time Incredibles 2 drops out, it's like, wow, they're really going to have to to, I mean, I mean, people will go for nostalgia alone just to see The Incredibles 2, but, you know, story-wise and all that, what can they offer 
that all these superhero movies won't have done in that in that interim period. You know, I'm thinking of the slate between Marvel and DC, and then in between that, you've got Valiant producing films, and then, yeah. But, you know, Brad Bird, I've got a lot of faith in the guy. He really hasn't steered us choo-choo wrong yet. I, I think he's got a great head in his shoulders. I think he's got a knack for storytelling. And I think that means we're going to get more of a character-driven story than the whole fluff of the fact that they're heroes. Right, right. And yeah, and not only cinematic, but TV-wise, Marvel, of course, they have what the, the TV show in development called Damage Control. Which I think is pretty interesting because I, I didn't go back and do the research, of course, but I thought I talked about this just a few shows ago about DC bringing a comedy to television having to do with essentially the same exact topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's just like, you know, Deep Impact, Armageddon, we're going to have, uh, you know... Every competing studio is going to come up with its own version of the same exact fucking movie. Yep, so Variety's reporting. ABC is planning to bring Damage Control to the TV screen. Uh, Damage Control, for those who don't know, have been around in Marvel Comics since about 1989. Um, They appear in four of its own limited series. Um, And, you know, they they say... uh, they're the ones who are in charge of returning lost ray guns to their rightful owners to help reschedule the wedding venue after it's been vaporized in a super battle. Um, things of that nature. They're, they're kind of, they keep the gears turning behind the scenes. So I think it's interesting. I thought it, it was interesting that DC was going to do it. I think it's interesting that Marvel's doing it. Um, I wonder how different the shows will be, seeing that they're on such a similar premise. Well, if Marvel established this in, what, 89? I don't know if DC has anything in in their slate that's canon like that. I mean, it sounds like these guys would also clean up the messes that S.H.I.E.L.D. makes, the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Exactly. And I think I read somewhere that they allude to them during one of the Avengers films. It's not something that's really blatant, but you kind of get a little nod that they're helping to kind of clean up the mess behind the scenes. I wonder where their job listings are. Craigslist, Thor's hammer just ruined our, uh, you know, our skyscraper. Would you like to help us clean it up? We have great benefits. So it's also interesting with Marvel to bring something to ABC, of course, uh, the Disney-owned network channel, um, and not Netflix. So now you got Marvel in theaters on ABC and Netflix. Um, not so much that success with DC on Netflix, but they're they're still trying to kind of sweeping it up over on uh, their network. Yeah, meanwhile, the online network wars uh, wage their battles. Netflix, you know, bringing more outstanding original programming, of course, in the Marvel world, too, with with Daredevil. Jessica Jones making its debut in just about a month. Um, But they're... uh, Obviously, these things cost money, and that trickles down to the consumer. It looks like Netflix will be raising their prices. You know, honestly, I don't know what the Netflix monthly price is right now, but their most popular plan um, is going to be going up a little bit, and it's going to be $9.99 a month. Existing customers will get a, a grace period, but the price is effective immediately for new subscribers in the U.S. and Canada. And they had to actually raise their prices last year in Europe. So the price increase raises the standard is the standard plan to ninety nine a month, nine ninety nine a month, and that's the plan that has high stref, high def streaming content and supports multiple streams at once. Um, honestly, I don't think it matters. I, I think it was like six ninety nine, so it's going up like 
three bucks. You compare that to your average cable bill, yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth, you know. It's still a cheaper alternative. You get HD streaming, and you could probably find better shit on a, a source like Netflix than you can on cable. So it kind of seems all win-win, even though you get to kick up a few more bucks. And I also like what iTunes does. They have something called Season Pass. And they'll have a lot of extras as a part of it as the incentive. You know, like when you rent something or watch it on Netflix, there's no special features. Or if you go to Redbox, you get the rental, it's just movie only. If you want those special features, iTunes helps give you incentive. I've seen uh, The Flash promote its new season on Facebook with it's like, just get a season pass on iTunes. You get all these behind the scenes extras and everything. That's probably ultimately going to be on the DVD set. Their season one uh, Blu-ray DVD set just came out with all, you know, like three hours of bonus content that you're not going to see if you're on Netflix and all that. And for the hardcore fanboys out there that love the documentaries, the making ofs, the commentary tracks and all that, you know, Netflix is never going to have that. And, you know, I guess that's what, you're really paying for if you're going to pay, you know, 30, 35 bucks for a season to have an, on high def sitting on your shelf, as opposed to something that you're streaming and hoping that your, your Wi-Fi works and, and the buffering's not going to take forever and that it doesn't look all pixelated. And hopefully, you know, it's maxing out at 1080p or even 4k. If you have a monitor that, that can do that. I'd say what I found interesting kind of recently was, um, the death of Superman lives. Have you heard about that? I have a documentary uh, covering when Nick Cage was going to be Superman and the film is going to be directed by Tim Burton. And wow, does this documentary tell a different story than their perception just from those couple of still images that leaked online a couple of years ago. Um, but anyways, what I thought was interesting was if you go over to their site, they had three different tiers for the digital option. And one was just a bare bones movie for a, a pretty cheap price. And then you had the middle tier where you had the movie plus some of the extras. And then there was a third tier with the movie and all of the extras. And of course, they also sell it on DVD and Blu-ray. But I, I thought it was pretty cool to have those kind of a la carte options for the digital stream. Yeah, and I like that some studios, more so independent ones than the major ones. But what they'll do is they'll put it in theaters, like maybe art house stuff in limited theatrical release, but they'll also release it same day on iTunes or on Netflix or whatever. They're giving people options. It's like, hey, cool, I can watch it at home. But some people also like the experience of going to the theater, having the popcorn and all that shit. But if you want to bypass all that, see it for cheaper, and in high-def, top-notch quality HD, you know, stay at home and all that. I still think part of the appeal with theater is just seeing it on such a tremendously huge screen. I don't even know if it's so much about being with other people. Um, but yeah, to, to just have all that sound and all that screen, that still keeps theater alive in my eyes anyway. No problem. Right. IMAX, the, the size, the sound. Some people would argue 3D. I don't think 3D is necessarily a draw the way IMAX is. A big screen presentation uh, is going gonna, is gonna to trump you know, a home experience, you know, certainly to a degree. Yeah, the Blu-ray and the home, you know, the iTunes season pass and all that. Yeah, yeah, you get all the extras and everything. But that that experience, I think if if Disney, you know, went out on a whim and said, okay, uh, Star Wars Force Awakens available on demand, on video on demand, uh, the day you could, comes out on December 18th, people would not only watch it, they'd probably get double the money because people want to watch it at home, but they also want to see it on the big screen. I'm thinking how interesting of an experiment that would be. When I think Star Wars, I, I just I think 
you know, opening night, being in the theater at midnight, being among the, the first crop to, to check out this new flick and, you know, being able to go home and maybe hop on social media and rub it in the face of people that have to wait a day or two to see it. Um, it would be interesting to see a same day digital release of something so high profile. And you know someone's going to rip those files and have it available anyway. <laughs> and that's probably why you won't see the same day release. <laughs> oh, we're going to have something that looks just as good as the Blu-ray is going to come out. They'll probably put the Blu-ray out by summer next year and cash in on the money. Or they may make, wait till fall or holiday season. Just make you wait. I think that this is going to be one of those cases where you're probably going to wait longer than the normal uh, return on a release. But I also hope it's going to be something amazing. I hope that there is just so much behind the scenes and making of that. That's the stuff that really gets my juices flowing. And especially with the practicality of this film, I'm just as excited to watch the making of as I am the actual feature. I promise guys listening to the big ball broadcast. We're not all about star Wars, although it seems like we are because we're big star Wars fanboys. We can't help ourselves. We do talk about other films. I promise it's not just Marvel and star Wars. They talk about things like ghostbusters. We love ghostbusters and there's big plans in the ghostbusters universe. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because some of it is kind of counter to what we've reported on earlier. And apparently, you know, right now you've got the all-female Ghostbuster film coming out. And when that was announced, we heard that they were also hoping on landing landing Channing Tatum and Chris Pratt in leads for an all-male Ghostbuster film. But Ivan Reitman saying, you know, yeah, you get the new Ghostbusters movie coming out. Everything else is just noise. And that's his quote. The rest is just noise. But now the rap's reporting that Sony's looking to expand the franchise in another direction with a Ghostbusters animated movie and Reitman himself producing. So I don't know if this is some Hollywood trickery or double talk, but it seems like a pretty sure thing that following up the all-female Ghostbusters is going to be an animated Ghostbusters film. Well, you know, the real perk to animated stuff is, you know, you can make the characters appear whatever. They can do things that they wouldn't necessarily do in live action. And if you want to try and woo Bill Murray back for that, yeah, so yeah, we've said he's reportedly been on set for a cameo. As you know, it's just natural. Of course, Peter Venkman's going to show up in the Ghostbusters movie, but can they woo him back to do voice work the way he did and took the paycheck for two Garfield films? I was reading a couple of days ago that um, the other guy there we were talking about, the geeky dude with the glasses from Ghostbusters, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis, thank you. Sorry, you got to edit that all out. <laughs> um, but I just read a couple of days ago. Uh, Rick Moranis was approached to uh, have a cameo in the new Ghostbusters film. And his response was kind of, if it was meaningful, if there was actually some purpose and and it played a part in the story, I would do it. But I kind of felt it was just a cameo for the sake of the cameo. So thank you, but no. But at the same time, he also said he's not on that hiatus anymore. That if he gets an interesting script that comes across his desk, he would actually, you know, he'd go out on those calls and, and those casting auditions and, and certainly uh, be in some more feature films. So that's actually some encouraging move uh, news that we may have some Rick Moranis films coming out on the horizon. Honey, I shrunk the kids part 87. Uh, who knows? But you know, I I'm excited. I'm excited to see his return to the big screen. It'd be great to see him again. It'd be great for uh, Dana Carvey to come back. All, you know, all these comedians that just kind of disappeared off the face of the planet. Granted in, you know, very depressing circumstances dealing with, you know, family loss and, and everything and coping and raising kids and everything. But, um, see him come back to the top form. That would be pretty awesome. 
And of course, they all saw what happened to Chris Farley, and they're like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you make it past age 34, is it? 30, uh, it's like when we lost Belushi, when we lost Furious 7 director James Wong. He wants to bring back MacGyver. Yeah, there, there, there's, a, there's a reboot that people are going, we're doing everything else. Why not MacGyver? Why not a guy that can sit there and diffuse a bomb with bubble, bubble gum? It's so weird. I mean, when I think reboots or revisions, MacGyver's not something that necessarily jumps to mind. But apparently this is something getting dusted off and given a new life over at CBS. And uh, it's going to be a reimagining of the television series of the same name. Following a, uh, following a 20-something-year-old MacGyver as he gets recruited into clandestine organizations where he uses his knack of, uh, his knack of solving problems in unconventional ways to help prevent disasters from happening. So, I don't know. I don't, know how, I don't remember how old they portrayed him in the original series, but it almost sounds like a reboot-slash-prequel, I guess. Yeah, are you going to set it back in the 80s, though, and have it be really retro so he has a mullet and everything? That would be great. That'd be wonderful. He'd have to have that can of Aquanet with him at all times. <laughs> things he can do with it, man. I'm pretty sure it's going to be modern day. One of those weird things where it's a property that's kind of coming back like in title only. And I wonder if it's really even worth it. I didn't regularly watch MacGyver. I know it was a hit for ABC back in the day. But um, to me, yeah, no, I don't think any, I don't ever hear anyone pining for that sort of thing. But it doesn't surprise me. You know, you had Knight Rider get rebooted a couple of times with some shitty movies, <laughs> directed TV things that it's like they try it and then it doesn't stick. I think I read something earlier today about um, them showing the first episode of the new X-Files reboot over at New York Comic Con, and the reviews were pretty positive, so I'm I'm still kind of excited to give it a try at least. I I don't know if I will be able to stomach the entire six episodes or whatever it is, but I'm I'm willing to give it a try, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hoping for the best. Yeah, when they screen episodes early at these big Comic-Con type events, okay, that's something that makes me wish I was there. Uh, I heard that uh, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi uh, showed the first Ash vs. Evil Dead, the new uh, 10-episode series that will be debuting on Stars on Halloween. Uh, And then, you know, I follow Ain't It Cool News with Harry Knowles, and he, he... uh, put on an Instagram feed a picture of the press kit he got. He actually got the two first uh, screener copies of the first two episodes in a nice little book with the history of Evil Dead and all that shit. It's like, man, I want that. That is sweet. Some of this very exclusive swag they have at some of the cons. Um, they showed some really nice stuff. And, and one thing that was sweet to see the actual uh, HD trailer of was, and, and again, we're not just a Star Wars podcast, kids, but uh, Star Wars Rebels, the, the season two trailer holy shit yeah i talk about being afraid of star wars saturation but man i cannot wait until rebel starts back up and kyle i know you haven't really seen a lot of it but do yourself a favor and catch up because this just gets sick really quick i want to believe you me it's i got an itunes season pass for season one but i probably will end up getting the blu-ray just because of the extras that aren't a part of the the itunes pass for that but uh, you know I'm a Star Wars fan, so I should uh, definitely uh, investigate that. Uh, Looks like the last little bit of news we wanted to pass along before we uh, cut out tonight is PS4. You know, it's uh, success level through the roof and everything. Everyone always knows the console wars, man. You got your Microsoft fanboys, you got Nintendo fanboys, and you got your Sony fanboys. You know, PlayStation 4 has been knocking it out of the park since its debut, 
And, and up until now, you've had to pay a premium for that. But it looks like if you hold out a little bit longer, folks, with the PS3s, the PS4 is finally getting a price cut. Well, actually, because of the fact we didn't do a show last week, um, this actually started at the beginning of this week. So if you're looking to upgrade, now is literally the time to do it. Normally, the PS4 was $399 in the U.S., and that's been marked down to $349. I know it doesn't sound like that big of a drop, but hey, that's the price of another game when you go out and buy a system. So this also appears to be for the 500 gigabyte PlayStation. This is on the heels of the price cut in Japan last month. So I guess they they feel they've hit their initial market. And now the people like me who have been waiting, uh, not that 349 is much better than 399, but I, I can see where I could get a little bit more tempted to go out and pick one up. So if it dropped another fifty bucks and was a hundred dollars cheaper, would you would you bite then? I would for two ninety nine. I'd, I'd probably go pick one up. You're not you're not eyeballing that uh, Star Wars Battlefront version there. That's that's four hundred <laughs> four fifty. I think. Let me tell you, because you brought it up, um, the Battlefront demo was fucking awesome. It was incredible. It, it was such a pleasure, visually, <clears throat> audibly. I mean, all these uh, sounds you hear in the game are straight out of the Star Wars universe. There's no mimicking or half-assing any of it. I'm really disappointed. It was really brief. It was only about a week, and, and then the beta got pulled. So Yeah, and I was gone. I was at a convention, and by the time I got back, I totally brain-farted and forgot. I could have played it on Monday, the last day, and it's like, shit, I totally forgot about it. So I didn't even get to try it out, man. But I'm glad you did. I get motion sick very easily, and that's such a fucking disappointment because my playing time was very limited before I wanted to projectile vomit. But um, what, what I did play, and while I did play, it, it was gorgeous. It, so there, there's my uh, endorsement. Get that fucking game as soon as it drops. So if you have motion sickness, you're fucked regardless. <laughs> it's not going to change, but... <laughs> you can switch out from first to third person view. It is a first person shooter. You know, that that's the way I think you get the most out of playing it. Yeah, check out the gameplay videos, guys. It's pretty jaw-dropping. I definitely will be, uh, be getting that. I enjoyed the, the original Battlefront series. I think I got that on, what was it, PSP? Or did it come on PS2 or 3? I honestly don't know. It's been a while. I mean, there have been a lot of Star Wars games. It's like, there's so many, I just forget. But so many crap ones, too. Yeah, this has got to you know be the best, I think. It certainly puts the bar a lot higher. Not that there's necessarily a story to it, you know, but... As far as visual and audio appeal, this one knocks it out of the park. Yeah, this, this won't be uh, Pod Racer on N64. I had that. <laughs> Did you? I still have all my N64 stuff. I still have the, the console, the controllers, everything. Game Boy, Game Boy Advance. My wife is crazy. She keeps all the books, booklets and the boxes and everything. So when I put them up on eBay, I can get premium for that shit. Well, we're fresh out of news, boys and girls. Thank you very much. Uh, for listening. If you are on the live stream and checking us out on Smodco Internet Radio, we'll be doing our live stream next Tuesday evening. But normally we're on Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, occasionally we switch, but all you have to do to keep uh, track of the latest news is at BB Broadcast. Think of that as your hub. We're also on Facebook, too. We're easy to find. I promise. We, we love you. We want comments, questions, suggestions, feedback. We like you guys being involved, like Alan S., Jez Oldfield, for checking out our live stream tonight in our chat room. Uh, thank you, Otherworld Steve, for digging up all this glorious news. I'll make sure and uh, check the liner notes on Smodco. 
on Smodcast.com. Uh, we'll include a link to Otherworld Steve's new site, Killer Bees with Otherworld Steve, a uh, capsule-sized review of tons of uh, bee movies from the 50s. So, until next time, this is Kyle Bear, And this is Otherworld Steve. See ya! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.